You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein, live from the PropSwap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, so we have a ball game. I mean, we got something. I don't know what exactly we can call it, but it's 17-9. to The Seahawks are leading. And John McMullen is there, live from the link, to check in with us right now for his nightly appearance on The Fix. Follow John on Twitter, at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, sportsillustrated at si.com, and every Saturday morning, extending the play, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. John, how we doing? How is it up there? Give us the updates. Well, it's 17-9, so you kind of expect that this might be the score that we finish with, considering uh, the Seahawks uh, beat the Eagles twice last year, 17-9, both games. So we always seem to get here, but uh, we got a ways to go. I don't think this one is going to end 17-9. But, yeah, you got to give the Eagles credit. Uh, obviously, offensively, a, a ton of struggles. Uh, but they're in the game, a one-score game. What's the biggest surprise for you, the biggest takeaway now, is there's just about two minutes left in the third from what I have here. Um, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, that's the story. And Carson Wentz so far, 12 of 24, 81 yards, a touchdown. No picks, John, no picks. It's already a win. Who cares what happens? (laughs) Yeah, it's more of the same. I I think all the – the hoopla about perhaps Jalen Hurts having a bigger role, maybe slightly bigger, but certainly not a significant role, uh, not a ton of snaps to this point. Uh, and Carson's been ineffective passing the football. But I got to tell you, Ryan, being here and you can see the obviously the overhead view, Eagles receivers are not getting any separation whatsoever. Uh, the offensive line continues to struggle. And, uh, you know, the strange part of this game to me is very little Travis Fulgham. The Eagles have gone back to all Sean Jeffrey, and it's been Greg Ward and Jalen Rager and very little Travis Fulgham. Uh, there's a, a missing persons report out for Travis Fulgham. What's up with him? Is that really a story? Is that more about just the struggles with the team? We've talked about this, but based off what you've seen now as you're there live. Well, there's no question. He's gotten exposed a little bit that teams have started to pay attention to him. There's really James Bradbury with the Giants and then Denzel Ward with the Browns kind of shut him down. But still, he was a young receiver with some upside. Uh, and had given you some things. And, you know, I guess my point is Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be here next year. He's not performing well anyway. So why not let Travis Fulgham kind of push through this? Uh, That would be, uh, I think, the proper way to go. But, you know, the Eagles are trying to win football games, I I guess. Uh, Doug Peterson (laughs) feels more comfortable with the veteran Alshon Jeffrey. All right, so what was the horrendous, glaringly obvious issue in the past? Third downs. And to start the night tonight, they were 0 for 5 at one point. And that's really just 
I mean, throw it all in the bucket. It, it all applies, but that's the play calling, that's ineffectiveness on first and second down, and then you become predictable and backed up on third, right? It's just more of the same tonight? Well, yeah, a little bit from column A, but also you see, I mean, they started out 0 for 5, and I think at that point, if you go back to the previous two games, they were 2 of 21, so that makes 2 of 26 over essentially almost two and a half games. Then they got kind of hot and converted five straight before they got stopped uh, on that last drive before the Jake Elliott field goal. Uh, and that was a Jamal Adams blitz where the Eagles had actually a great play call set up. They had called a wide receiver screen, and Jalen Rager didn't know it was a wide receiver screen. So it's a perfect example of what I've been talking about when people criticize play calling. That play call would have worked. And the young receiver had no idea what he was supposed to do on the play. And you can criticize the coaching staff, but the criticism should be not having him prepared for that situation. That's what the criticism should be. Russell Wilson, 20 of 26, 192 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Excellent stat line. That's really just what he does. Uh, And DK Metcalf, my goodness, what he does as well. Nine catches, 146. But the Eagles' defense, after reading off those stat lines, I think you can still say impressive given the circumstance now after three. Yeah, I mean, the defense is hanging in. I, I think they're doing a pretty good job. And even even if you look at those D.K. Metcalf numbers, which are obviously pretty impressive, Darius Slay's making them work for it all. Uh, and, and, again, it might not look good on paper, black and white, but it, it's like an NBA scorer that you make maybe take 30 shots to do what he normally does in 20 shots. I, I think – Eagles are doing the best they can, but, you know, we all know the narrative with D.K. Metcalf and uh, in the first quarter, um, in the first drive, excuse me, he had more receptions uh, than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has had all season. So that's a tough thing for the Eagles to overcome. Just a really good player. Uh, They're doing the best they can with him, and they're hanging in defensively. It's all you can ask for, I guess. I mean, this is... I don't know. I know I I asked for your score prediction on Friday night, and you said, I think, 24-20 or 40-10 Seahawks. (laughs) Which I never do, but I did because my whole prediction was based on Zach Ertz returning. Right. And I thought it was going to be a Zach Ertz game. And as soon as the Eagles said he wasn't going to play on Saturday, on air, extending the play, I said the Seahawks are going to kill him. They're going to rout him. Uh, and it hasn't turned out. So that's the positive part. Uh, the Eagles are hanging in. But <laughs> I, it's just really difficult offensively. You see the numbers. When I when I got on here, Carson seems to be doing a little bit more, but he was 12 for 24 for 81 yards. I mean, that is just – that yards per attempt is just beyond all. Uh, yeah, how bad is it? I mean, Luke, it's is it as bad as your Bears? What are your thoughts on this game so far? <laughs> it's uh, The Bears are worse. 
than the Eagles. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is one of the worst quarterbacks to ever play <laughs> in the NFL. Um, but, John, I mean, do you think, you know, Jalen Rager has been getting a ton of slack, obviously with Justin Jefferson having an incredible rookie season. You're going to compare those two. But do you think it's a lack of talent? Do you think it's a lack of preparation? You know, he so far has three catches for 11 yards. Um, I think we've proven in the past five or six years of like rookie receivers can contribute and a stat line like that, like, is it a lack of talent or do you think it's a lack of getting him involved in the offense by Carson or Doug? Yeah. I, I think when you talk about a first round pick in the NFL, it is literally never lack of talent. I, I mean, they all have tremendous talent, tremendous a- athletic traits. So, then you start to go into the coaching, the preparation, and their work ethic and how they prepare for the game. And that's why I bring up that blitz where Jamal Adams um, got Carson Wentz cutting short a drive that resulted in the Elliott field goal. Jalen did not know what to do on that play. He didn't run the right route, and Carson was left hanging out to dry. So the question is, did the coaching staff prepare him? Did he not understand? There's there's room for blame to go around. But, yeah, it doesn't look good when you look at what Justin Jefferson is doing. Um, but he, he's a young player. He's a rookie. I, I think it's way too early to give up on him. Talking with John McMullen for your nightly football fix. John is at the Monday night football game at the Lincoln Financial Field. 17-9, to Eagles are trailing. The Seahawks have the ball as we are getting into the fourth quarter, just underway a couple minutes ago. All right, John, I mean, how do the Eagles win this? And then I'll ask you a follow-up with uh, what you think will happen here. You kind of already hinted at it. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult. For them to win this game, they're going to have to get a big play either on special teams on the defensive side of the ball. They typically don't turn it over a lot, so it's hard to project that. But, you know, Seattle's a better team, and that's how generally you upset better teams uh, by something happening that doesn't usually happen. So it's going to have to be a pick six. It's going to have to be uh, a block punt or something of that nature, Uh, something – um, out of the ordinary because Seattle's just got too much talent. And, and the Eagles, as I said, they're doing an admirable job hanging on, but it's pretty clear who the better football team is. It, it's clear as day. Um, and, and I don't know what to make of this game. We'll be talking a lot about it throughout the week for sure, regardless of what happens. Uh, John, if you want to – I don't know. Where do we go from here, man? Do you want to give a score prediction? It's – can the Eagles get close? Well, I mean, you just said it, but. Yeah, 17. I think it would be perfect if it, if it ended like this. 17-9. That uh, would be the third straight game the Seahawks beat the Eagles 17-9. But uh, I do think somebody uh, will push through. And uh, I think it's more likely to be Seattle. So uh, they're probably going to wear the Eagles down at the end of this game. What are your thoughts on the the play calling and you've touched on it you touched on it at the start of the conversation it's just execution and fans are quick to criticize the results but not the actual design and the play 
but this is going to be talked about a lot. So nine points on the board, only given up 17. Just talk about what you've seen on both sides as far as game plan uh, and how it's fallen. Well, to be honest, I have a bigger problem with Seattle's game plan. I, I thought the big mismatch was Tyler Lockett uh, against the Eagles' lesser corners, uh, Avante Maddox, Mikel Roby Coleman. Uh, I thought he would have a huge day. Uh, and Russell Wilson is kind of focused on DK Metcalf. But, uh, you know, he's put up numbers, put up plays. I think they could have gone an easier route. For the Eagles, man, they just don't have the personnel. They don't have the talent to be explosive offensively right now. And as I said, live, which obviously fans don't get to come to these games any longer, you can really see the receivers and the separation or lack thereof. They just don't get Are you watching the team that will come out of the NFC in the Seattle Seahawks? Luke and I talked about this a couple minutes ago. They're 4-1. to one. Uh, depending on where you shop, of course, for your odds, but they're four to one in some places to come out of the NFC. Yeah, I, I mean they're in the conversation. I think you have to look at New Orleans, and I think you have to look at Green Bay, and then they would be in that trio of teams. Uh, you know, I, I, I looked at Aaron Rodgers yesterday, and I, I put this on Twitter earlier. Nobody has ever made playing quarterback in the NFL ever look easier and Aaron Rodgers, and he's just playing at that kind of level. But the, they have the defense to hold up. I don't know. All these teams have flaws. You're seeing the Seahawks. I mean, they're playing a bad team. They're only up one score. They're about to extend it most likely. But um, they have flaws. The, the league's worst pass defense coming in, which the Eagles will help. But still, it's been that bad all season. And then New Orleans, as impressive as they look, I mean, they got a gimme from the NFL with what the league did to the Denver Broncos. So they don't have Drew Brees. I don't think ultimately we'll see if he can get back healthy. Those are the three teams, but they all have flaws. Yeah. John, speaking of the Packers and the Saints, guess who the birds play the next two weeks? <laughs> the Packers and the Saints. <laughs> um, so say assume that we lose tonight and then, you know, lose to Green Bay and then lose to New Orleans, that would be a five-game losing streak. Um, does anyone get fired if a five-game losing streak occurs? <laughs> yeah, I, I believe not Not certainly at, at that five-game losing streak. I believe in the offseason you're going to have some serious discussions. And as we've gone on, I think it's more likely that Doug Peterson would go than Howie Roseman. I don't think that's fair. I think Howie Roseman should be the one to go before Doug Peterson, but we all know Jeffrey Lurie's proclivities there. Um, And I think Doug is kind of at the end of his rope. I honestly think if the front office doesn't change how they do business, I honestly think Doug knows he'll get another job in about 10 minutes. I don't think he'd be – the most upset person of the world in the world if he got fired. John, I saw something uh, that Deuce Staley said. Can you correct me if I'm wrong or just off base a little bit? He was talking about the qualities of a head coach, and he was saying 
You know, you have to be able to manage the team, manage the people like a CEO of a business. And some of these guys, he said, are offensive coordinators that focus too much on designing the game plan and calling plays. And you have a business to run and you're not running it. Yeah, I've made that argument for a long time uh, that CEO coaches are what I would prefer personally. Uh, But, you know, years ago, I talked to Tom Coughlin about this, who was a um, play caller and then gave it up and became a CEO coach. And I said, I asked him, why don't more coaches do that when they come in? Because to me, it's such a big job. You should not want a play call, to be honest. Um, And he said, you can't do it early in your tenure because you have to develop and set your identity. Uh, And then if you last through the hiccups for a lengthier period, uh, you can become and turn into that CEO coach. So I kind of uh, agree with you, Staley. Um, I, I think that's the best way to do it because I think, and from Doug Peterson's standpoint, I think his best traits as a coach are, are leadership and, and motivation. Um, so I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment. But it's hard for head coaches to give up play calling, whether they're offensive-minded or defensive-minded, because it, in this league, it, it, you see it Matt Maggie in Chicago, it shows weakness. And then all of a sudden people assume you're going to get fired. Uh, so there's a lot of issues involved in doing things like that. But I think more owners should understand they should be looking for CEO coaches. Yeah, I think it's the timing of if you were calling plays, like when does he give it up? And at the same point, you mentioned it's such a big job. That's why they're calling plays, because they don't want the fate in their first year or two to be on someone else. Not that that necessarily would be the case, but I think you're just trying to control things and make sure, like you said, that identity is set. But is there anything going on in Philly? Why would Deuce Staley come out and say that right now? Is he implying something that, hey, Doug ain't doing his job? I'm not going to go that far, but I do think Deuce, a lot of people think Deuce would be next in line if they stay in-house to be the head coach of this team. Uh, so I do think there's a lot of um, soap opera, a lot of drama um, going on in that building. And I think it starts at the top with Jeffrey Lurie uh, and what he has wrought upon this organization. He talks about this collaborative approach. He talks about uh, everybody getting involved. But, hey, I, I mean, the Bucks got to stop somewhere. And when it comes to full football operations, you know, if you want to go the traditional GM head coach setup, the off-season should be for the GM. The in-season should be for the head coach. The Eagles haven't done that. I think that's the bigger problem. Um, and, you know, Deuce can dream all he wants, and maybe they stay in-house, but knowing Jeffrey Lurie, he's going to want to make a bigger splash than that. Talking Probably with, a mistake. <laughs> talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com is where you can find all of John's written work, and you can listen to John every Saturday right here on AM 1490, extending the play from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So, John, 
somewhat of a big stop here. The Eagles find a way to hold the Seahawks to three. There was a penalty uh, after the Carlos Hyde touchdown. So three instead of six. That's what coaches often want when you get into the red zone if you're on the defensive side. Eagles are still in this. Obviously, this next possession is everything. Yeah, I mean, it's a two-score game. It's hard to watch this offense tonight and think they're capable of getting two scores. But um, you never know with this defense. Remember, that Seattle defense, as good as they've looked, have been historically bad uh, when it comes to defending the pass. I just haven't seen any evidence, and this is, we're talking years now, this team just can't find receivers. They just can't find receivers. No, they certainly can't, and uh, the proof is in the pudding. Carson Wentz right now is 17 of 30, 104 yards, uh, a touchdown, no picks. And you look at the receiving stats for the Eagles, and there's just uh, not much to talk about. Dallas Goddard, the most catches, the most yards, five catches, 38 yards. We'll see what the Eagles do here with just over 10 minutes to play in the final quarter, and John and I will be recapping this the rest of the week. All right, John, we appreciate it, and uh, go watch the rest of this interesting Monday night matchup. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Yep. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> it certainly is, depending on your definition. Uh, there he is, man. John. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc